Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Already, we uh, went to the Philippines for 10 days last month, and what a blessing that it was. Um, This trip came to us, to this church, and that's a whole story in itself. But the request came out, and we were so blessed that a bunch of people, 12 people from this church, uh, volunteered and, and did all the the legwork to get over there to help the people over there in Tacloban, Philippines. And uh, some pictures that they're going to be starting, some information that I got um, from Wikipedia, that Typhoon Yolanda hit the Philippines on November 8, 2013. Specifically, like Tripp said, that um, hardest hit is that Tacloban area of one of the islands. And it said there that Typhoon Yolanda was the deadliest typhoon ever recorded and the strongest storm recorded at landfall. Unofficially, the strongest typhoon ever recorded in terms of wind speed. And those guys over there, the locals over there, were saying that there was this typhoon had... Um, sustained winds of over 200 miles an hour with gusts up to 300 miles an hour. And uh, you can see kind of like how their houses are, that uh, it must have been pretty wild and woolly. Um, Also in there, it says that the uh, storm created a storm surge of 15 to 20 feet. Those guys over there, were telling us that it was 20, the, the water was 25 feet high going in there. Okay, a surge now. And uh, Tacloban City, there it was estimated that 90% of the city was destroyed. And I can tell you because I've seen it, and that probably, that might even be kind of a conservative estimate of how that storm took that place out. Absolutely amazing and overwhelming in the beginning when we first landed there. I was driving over to where we were going to stay. It just was absolutely overwhelming, the destruction that was there. But as we know the Lord, that the Lord sended, you know, sent our crew there. And uh, I'll be talking a little bit more about it. Uh, I want uh, Scott Caston and Cora Johnson if they're still here, if they didn't go home, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. There he is. Okay, you know what? There's too many stories to tell. We were there for 10 days, but I can tell you there's hundreds of stories of how the Lord used us and the things that he did there. Okay, and just two highlights that these uh, guys are going to share here this morning. Two stories that maybe stand out for them, okay, uh, a testimony to the faithfulness of God. And I can tell you that that's one thing that when I was there, that I just had praise in my heart for the Lord, that He was so gracious to use our church, the mission, to go all the way over there, you know, and, and we went 
as a church, why would he call us, you know, here on the North Shore to go all the way over there to go and help those guys out? But you know what? That's the grace of God, and the Lord did use us. So uh, Cora's going to share about a, the little guy that she had the opportunity to minister to over there. Okay. Um, this morning, the first time I came up here, I came with my Bible because I needed his strength to be up here. Um, but Butch told me I couldn't hold my Bible this time because I had to hold, hold the microphone instead. And so uh, pray for me. <laughs> um, anyway, the, uh, Joshua was a, uh, the worship leader's son in Barangay uh, um, 83 where we um, did the homes. And um, the, from the time we set foot there, I kept hearing this little boy singing and he would always be singing, and whenever you saw him, I never really heard him spoke because he was always singing like his dad. And that went on for several days, and then one day he wasn't singing anymore. And it, uh, they, the mom came to me and, and said that he was really, really sick. And so we um, looked at him, and, and it appeared as if he had dengue fever. And I don't know if you're familiar with dengue fever, but... Um, in the Philippines, when you're four or five years old, Josh was four years old, that those are usually the victims that it takes. And especially with Josh, not only did he have his high temperature and, and everything else and the rash, but he was also um, bleeding and had, had a bloody nose and, and crying. And he wasn't the same boy that we saw for two days singing away, you know. And uh, so... Um, by that time, we had been there three days, and um, we had been doing women's um, ministry for three days, and it was the, the third day in our sixth session, and a lot of the women had been repeatedly coming back every single day, and a lot of them had got saved in the process. And so that meeting that afternoon um, turned into not just a worship session and a Bible session, but it turned into a prayer meeting as well. And we all surrounded Joshua, um, all the women who accepted the Lord and the people that were there. And and, uh, we prayed for him. And we prayed that God would heal him. And um, then I I spoke with the pastor, and and, uh, we agreed that he would take him to the hospital first thing in the morning. As a nurse, I was really concerned because I, I really felt like he needed to go to the hospital that night. But we thought, well, you know, They've seen this before. We'll, we'll just go ahead and pray. The other thing that we did was we called the prayer. Um, we knew that there's prayer meeting here on Wednesday mornings. And so we called them as well and said, can you pray for Joshua? And um, again, being a nurse, I'm real skeptical about miracles and things like that in the hospital. But this is a real miracle. The next morning, um, the pastor, as soon as he saw me, the first thing he said to me was, Cora, Joshua is singing again. God healed him. <laughs> you know, God, healed, God totally healed him. I mean, he didn't have dengue fever more than 48 hours, and, not, and it was the worst to come yet. And, and, and God took care of him and healed him. And it was just a testimony to not just them, the people there, but to all of us that the God we know here is the same God in the Philippines. He's the same God that that did uh, what he did from the very beginning of, of time and is still doing it now. And so 
I always have remembered when Teva shared his story of that young girl that could talk, or when, but, uh, when Tripp has been doing the series on the Holy Spirit. And I remember saying, Lord, are we going to see anything like that here in Tacloban? And we did. And we not only saw physical healing, but we saw emotional healing, um, so many, many women. It was hard. We cried. I mean, every time we had sessions, it was just a cry fest all the time. But, but, and we went to bed at 7.30 because we were so worn out. But most of all, it was spiritual healing for them as well as for us. Um, I just want to thank you all, thank all of you, because we could, we have been, we were a team of 12, but we could never have done it without all of you. Because when God sends a team, he doesn't send just the 12 people that go on the plane. He sent, you are all part of it. Your prayers, your support, your, um, whatever you did, we just want to say thank you. And, you know, everybody has a different season. We don't, we don't know why he sent us 12, you know, probably because we're the, the least, that we, you know, we didn't think we could be used, and God showed us differently. And this may be your season. Um, we are planning to do another trip to Tacloban, and whether we're on it or not, we're going to be there supporting those that go. And I just hope that if, and pray that if God is putting upon your heart that this might be something that you want to do or whether it's there or whether it's a mission deal here, that you will um, take that and, and go with it. Because one thing God showed us while we were on the trip is that, you know, that, that apart from him we can do nothing, but that everything is possible with him. And like we sang earlier, that faith will move mountains, and God allowed us to see how he moves mountains. And I pray that and hope that someday you guys will get to share in that again, whether it's here or there. All right. Um, thanks, Tora. Okay, I hope that you guys know that these two are the last people that wanted to be asked to uh, get up here and talk. But I, I know that both of them had special divine appointments that we went on this trip and the Lord had something for each one of us. And uh, that one experience sometimes makes it all worth it, all the hassle and all the, you know, being uncomfortable and everything. So uh, Scott here is going to share about his friend Christian, little uh, young Filipino guy that he met over there. Hi, good morning. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to all of you as a church body um, for being a part of us, um, us going and made it all possible for all of us to go and experience what we got to experience um, it's a life-changing thing, and if any of you have the opportunity, I strongly, if you're called to go, go. Um, it will change your, your life. Um, my story is just a, a small snippet of, of the time we were there, and, and we got so many stories um, to jam into one. And I'll, I'll just start with my small family that uh, we worked in, and on the fourth day we were there, uh, we went to the small community, and um, I don't even know its name. Um, but it was in Tacloban San City, Santa Fe, San Jose, San Jose. And, uh, and they told us the night before um, to be prepared to what we're going to see. We had already been working in the country, which is a whole other environment, and we had driven through the city, but had not experienced um, the inner city. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I wasn't prepared at first. Uh, they went the night before to look. Uh, they were in ankle-deep water. 
um, kind of sewage water, um, water that these people live in uh, and around their homes. And there was not much left of their houses. And they told us we're going in, how they describe it was the hood of the hood. And to watch your wallets, don't bring any personal belongings. Um, you know, you, we, don't, we don't want to tempt anyone um, negatively. Uh, we want to be a blessing to them. Let's go in and see what we can do. And uh, we started our morning walking in. Uh, you can only drive in so far. And then we have to walk in with our materials and our equipment. And uh, we had one compressor, one saw for 10 people to work with. And we're going to try to build three houses in three days. Um, and uh, so we got started, and plans didn't go always perfectly, but we got started, and we got to join a family. Um, I had four children living in a house, four feet high a wall left in the house with tarps over the top. And it pours rain like it does here. And uh, they're quickly flooded when it floods. The water's, like I said, ankle deep plus. There's feces. There's all you can imagine, and these young children playing outside in this. And, uh, and to experience that and see it and smell it, and it's unbelievable. And, uh, but these people, as we walked into the neighborhood, as their heads started popping out the windows and seeing these guys come and uh, not knowing what we're there for, and uh, we just started at this one house, and we are blessed beyond belief. Um, these guys, this family joined in with us. Um, they helped us. They, the, the kids started, you know, they would take the saw out of your hand and want to saw. They were hand, hand sawing lumber. Um, <clears throat> as a young man, I got to meet three brothers, and this young man named Christian uh, was about a sophomore in high school, and he started asking me questions about Jesus. And he asked me if I was a Christian, and I proudly said yes. And, uh, and then right after that, he followed. He said, is it true about the Crusaders uh, in his way? And... Uh, and I said, wow, I really stuck my foot in my mouth there. Uh, yeah, it is true about the Crusaders. And I tried to explain that it really wasn't Christians and it wasn't, really wasn't God's people. But did I really get through to them? And um, he continued to ask me questions as we worked. And we finished his parents' house in two days. And they were continuing to work. And we, we, um, we started to work on the neighbor's house. And he followed me there. And he started working with the neighbors. And he stayed with me every day to the end. And uh, they were appreciative. His mother st- sh- uh, would share stories about them hanging on to the roof as the water came through and people floating by and um, unimaginable that we, I, we just can't imagine. You see the, the remnants after four months. Um, it doesn't tell the picture. There's smoke still. There's fires burning at every household. There's no trash pickup. There's, they're burning their, their trash in the streets. You can't even hardly breathe some days. Um, and we all got to experience something unique. And this young man um, stayed with me, um, left his dad working on his own house, and came out in the community and helped us with the neighbors. And that was the first sign that we saw that neighbors were starting to care about neighbors. And, and, and I shared that when we were there. It, it was so great to see that, uh, and that's why we were there, that they would have hope. They had hope the first time they'd tell there are stories that the mother was telling me. We thought no one was coming. Uh, people literally turned into animals overnight when after the storm. They saw body parts and people um, uh, dead everywhere. And the news says 6,800. There was more like 70,000. This is in a community of 300,000 um, people dead. And they were just putting mass graves and putting people under uh, as fast as they could. And... Uh, we can't imagine just hearing their stories. 
Well, this young man stayed with me to the end, and uh, he, he touched my heart. At the end, he took my backpack, uh, walked to the van, and uh, put it in my backpack, and he turned around. I thought he'd be smiling like he was. He was just a crack-up. Uh, we, we didn't speak much to each other in words, but just jokingly and saying phrases. And I, I shared earlier, raisong is a term that, for a nail. And we just we kind of said that all day long, as, almost as a joke. I would say it, he'd repeat it. And we, that was a, really the only words we shared. And, um, but, you know, he, he, he knew what I was there for, and he knew why we were there. And I told him I wouldn't, you know, that we were going to go back and share this with, with other folks that uh, didn't know about it. I didn't really know much about it. The, our news didn't tell much about it. Uh, only right when it happened, and then it was off the, off the radar. <clears throat> but there's a continued story, and a lot of people still hurting there. And... Uh, and that's what touched my heart. This young man turned to me, uh, turned around after handing my, the bag uh, into the van, and he turned to me, and he was crying. And uh, oh, it just killed me. And um, he said, I'll never forget you. And, uh, and that stuck with me, and it will for my whole life. And, uh, um, we, we can make a difference, just a small group of us uh, each time, but we go in. And so I encourage each one of you, um, however, God lays it on your heart where it's finances, everybody needs that. Um, and there's, um, if there, it's your physical labor, whatever it is, um, God can use it, in, uh, use it in a mighty way. Okay. Um, I'm going to share a little bit this morning from Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 33. And I had a little journey also going on this trip. I think I announced it uh, before that I went that I volunteered for it and shortly after decided that um, I didn't want to go and I was the wrong person. I'm not a construction worker. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to be used, as well as kind of feeling like, well, I don't know if this is going to be so great for me, or I couldn't handle, or anything, you know, and I had second thoughts, and uh, really considered maybe trying to figure out how I was going to get out, and, uh, but I didn't get out, I went, and it was an amazing blessing. And uh, this felt like last week, like the Lord put this story in my heart. And it's uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And this story was something for me that I learned from stepping out on this trip. And uh, I'll be sharing about it. Uh, a quote that I heard just recently said that uncertainty is the essence of adventure. Uncertainty is the essence of adventure. And I went and our team went on a little adventure, no doubt. And probably when we first got there, that it was beyond seeing the destruction. Like I seen the pictures and I watched the news and my son-in-law Ryan went with us and he was looking at everything on you know, YouTube and all to see about it. And... Uh, it, it didn't make me feel any better about going over there. and uh, But to see it firsthand, the destruction, and 
just the you know hardship that everybody had and to see you know a couple of days before we left you know on the side of the road five body bags sitting over there where they're still finding bodies a lots and lots of people still missing and just the the tragedy that that whole thing is and just the feeling of for myself, going, well, what are we co- going to do? What can we do? You know, like building three houses when you need thousands and thousands of houses. It's like, what difference can we make? You know, but yet, I can tell you that the Lord called us to go. The Lord brought it to this church here, the mission. It didn't go to any other church. That call came to this church. And a lot of you responded. Some guys wanted to go and they couldn't go. Some other people, you know, gave money. I know a lot of you prayed for the team there. And that's how the Lord works. In Mark chapter 6, I'm going to read here. What ended up happening here is that they have just been ministering, Jesus and the disciples. And it's been really hectic. You can imagine Jesus, how many people were following him at all times. And it always says, like a multitude of people who followed him at all times, so much so that they didn't even have time to eat or rest. And this was one of those times where their plan was to go to a place away from everybody And just have a little break. But when the people saw where they were going, they all ran, it says there. The whole bunch of them ran over. They went out on the boat. Everybody saw where they were going. They ran over around the other side of the lake and they just followed him. So when they get to the other side, and it says there that the people beat them there. When they get to the other side, They arrive, and here's a big crowd of people there. It says here that in verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus sees this big crowd of people, and he has compassion for them. In James chapter 5, verse 11, it says that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. That God is compassionate wherever He is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, So as those who have been chosen by God, that's us, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So God is a God of compassion and we're called to be the same. To have compassion to others. It says here, going on with the story in verse 25, it says, when it was already quite late, His disciples came to Him and said, This place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. 
So on one hand, it says that Jesus looked at that crowd and He had compassion for them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And on the other hand, the disciples, what was their view? Send them home. Right? Send them away. And I know what side I would probably be on. What attitude I would have, especially if I was tired and hungry and we're heading to take a break. Right? I'm never going to miss our break. And I can tell you when we were working over there, we did take breaks and and I look forward to those breaks. Because it's hot and it's way harder work than I ever do around here. But they wanted a break. So what did they say? Send them home. A contrast in attitudes. What reaction do we have? As we get amongst the crowds in our community, wherever we go, at work, when there's the crowds, and you know what, I can tell you that things in the, it's messy. Right? On your job, out on the road, out in the water, in food land, wherever you go, it's messy and hectic. And maybe we consider that. That, you know what, if we look at them and go, man, those, they're like sheep without shepherds. And we can have compassion. Verse 37, Jesus' reaction to the disciples saying, send them home. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. So what does He do? He brings it to them. And it spoke to me because that short 10-day trip, that need there in Tacloban came to this church. And it was like the Lord was saying to us here at the mission, you give them something to eat. Right? And maybe we all saw it on the TV, just like me. Right? And you go, oh man, that's, that's gnarly. That's hard. But maybe we didn't hear the call. Maybe we're not going to hear that and go, well, what can I do about it? When Tripp brought it up, you know what? I, I felt like the Lord telling me that, man, I would like to go on this trip. But after I thought that, well, I don't have anything to offer because it's like a construction trip. I don't know about building houses. Jesus brings it to them for them to do something about. But what can they do about it? Their reaction to Jesus, and this is my paraphrase, it's that, um, what do you want us to do? To feed 5,000, that's what it says there, that it was 5,000 men, not including women and children. So he puts it on them and goes, you give them something to eat. Their reaction is, what, what can we do? You know how much it's going to cost to feed that many people? You know how much hassle it's going to be to get the food, organize everything? And I know how I would think that that would be me. I'm going like, you're crazy. That ain't going to happen. More easy... You just send them home 
You know what I mean? If they didn't bring money, then they should have thought ahead. You know what I'm saying? I, you know how it goes. All right? The disciples were looking at the lack. They were maybe looking at the inconvenience. They were looking at the hassle. And Jesus was looking at the opportunity. And He knew, I can promise you, that He knew exactly what He was doing. He brings it to them knowing full well that they couldn't do anything about it. And that was a lesson that the Lord showed me on this trip. In verse 38, Jesus asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and look. So they do go and look, and they come up with five loaves and two fishes. That's what they come to Jesus with. Five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000 plus people. And I can tell you that that was what the Lord spoke to me this week about my trip. What is that little bit amongst so many people? What is that going to do? Right? What do you do? Like cut it up like, you know, 8,000 ways. Right? Everybody gets a little taste. It's not possible. It's not possible. It says here that what does Jesus do next? He says that he took those five loaves and those two fish and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it out. And actually if you read there that the disciples were the ones that handed out the food. And as, as I was considering it, that I realized that this is how the Lord works with us as Christians. That He blesses us. That we're blessed to be followers of Christ. That it's not as we were, we're not the same that we were before we knew Christ. That our lives have changed and we're better. We're not perfect, but we're better. And the Lord's working on us. And what a blessing to be able to have the Lord to be able to watch over us and take care of us. And He, we, he has our best interests in mind. So He blesses us. But He also breaks us. Right? And He wants to break us of what? Our selfishness. Our issues. Our little hang-ups. Inevitably... That happens if you're a Christian, that the Lord is going to break the things in you that He wants to fix up the right way. Our past. All of those things. The Lord breaks us. And then lastly, He gives us out. Just like we did. That He sends us into crazy places. Places that maybe I never imagined. He sends us into our own community. To do what? To minister. And that's our call. Our call is to do the will of God wherever He calls us. 
whenever He says. It's kind of a challenge because um, missions, overseas missions, you know, has its place. But we're on mission here or there. And both of them are equal blessings. And both of them is what the Lord calls us to. Verse 42, what happens? It says here that they all ate and were filled. So whatever challenge is, and that's what the Lord worked in me, whatever anxiety I had before I went on the trip, and I shared it when I kind of did the announcements that I don't know why I'm going, and, and you know I regretted volunteering in the beginning, and next time I'm going to think better about it, you know, and uh, so on and so forth. But at the same time, I knew that the Lord was calling me, and if I stayed back, then I would regret it. So it's kind of a dilemma. You can't have both. And I went, and you know what? All of the things that I was concerned about, none of those things happened. All my anxieties were unmerited. And it was a huge blessing. And I'm so glad that the Lord was patient enough to keep pushing me to go and not give me the out like I wanted to. The lesson that we learned, the lesson I learned, was one just like the disciples, that sometimes we look at what we lack. Right? Or sometimes you go, well, what use could I be? What can I do? The need is so great. You know, I went with Mike and Scott and uh, Scott Bridgman. That's what they do for a living. And those guys are amazing and they work really hard. And I'm standing there waiting for them to go, go get me a two by four. And then I come back with a two by three. Yeah, that did happen. And I'm like looking, I'm going, man, they both look a lot alike. (laughs) But I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, don't do this to me. This is too complicated. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to like come back and then they go, that's not a two by four, that's a two by three. Go get a two by three. And I'm going, I'm so, you know. But you know what? Um, For me, the Lord, part of the trip was, Humbling me. So, that was part of my journey. But the lesson that we can learn from this is that, you know what? Just like Jesus said, what do you have? Go get it. And what they came back with was not even remotely close to what they needed. And that was the big lesson for me. And I think that that's a lesson for us. That the Lord is just calling you to give what you have right now. Whatever it is. And even if you think, well, what could I do? What use could I be? I'm not as good as so-and-so. I don't know how to do that. Wasn't that the disciples? And we look at our lack. What we don't have. But we're not considering the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above and beyond all that we ask and think, 
according to the power that works in us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Why does the Lord put us in those situations? Over our heads, way beyond our ability, way beyond our comfort zone, way beyond our skills. Because when it does happen, as it did happen, that He gets the glory. I can't come back and say that, well, you know what, I did a really good job on those houses. The Lord gets the glory. And He used us. He took what little bit that we had. And that's my challenge to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. That you take what little bit you have. And you give it to the Lord. And the Lord's going to do the same. That He's going to bless it. Right? He's going to break it. And He's going to distribute it to whoever is in need. And the same result is going to happen. Is that the Lord is going to bring the increase. Because He's the one that gets the glory. Last scripture here. It says that He sent them out. After everyone had eaten and were filled. And it says that they picked up 12 baskets full of remnants. So leftovers. They had 12 baskets full. Now think about the 12 people that went out with 12 baskets. And interesting enough, there were 12 people on this trip. I'm going to go, man, let me think about that. That there was an overabundance. Jesus just didn't pro- uh, you know, provide what was needed. He provided more. And the Lord is able to do exceedingly above and beyond. That's what He says there. More. And then He's showing them, I think that it was a lesson for them. That look, you didn't think that it was possible. You didn't think. You just looked at your resources. And it came up short. But you didn't look at me. And that's a lesson for all of us. That we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And the Lord will use us beyond what we think, how He can use us. What an amazing thing. Something that Cora said, and I'll toss this out to you, we're going to have other opportunities to go. This is not like a one-time deal. If you didn't get on, you missed it. There's other opportunities, and as the Lord calls this church to go wherever and however to do whatever He wants us to do, then we're going to respond. I hope that within our hearts that we're ready. This trip helped me to go, okay, Lord, help me the next time. To look at You and not to look at me. What I can't bring. But to look at You, how You can provide and You can bring that increase. Why don't we pray? Lord, we do thank You for using this church. Lord, in such a far off place, with such a great need. Lord, in in our little way that we helped people. Lord, and we did Your will there. In Your good news, 
went out and we were compassionate as a church to send a team there to help. Lord, we do lift up those families. Lord, and we do pray that each one of them would come to know you by the example of this church here. Lord, and we do offer ourselves to you to be used further in whatever way that you want. Lord, help us to overcome our fears. Help us to not look at ourselves, but to look at you and what you are able to do. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.